This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. All right, our program is on a collision course with a national championship. The only variable is time. Howard Schnellenberger famously said that, and as we make a push to get that man into the Hall of Fame, finally, one of his protégés takes over for the first time for Louisville football, and we will get our first glimpse, our first chance to see if that is closer to reality as Jeff Brom takes over for his first game against Georgia Tech this Friday night. From the Pink Seas podcast, as you can probably tell, Jacob Lane, he got a nasty case of the vid. Uh, he tried to make it, but he's not able to. Uh, he's not able to go tonight. So Presley Meyer stepping in uh, as the season starts. The most important podcast. The most important person steps in. That's how it goes, guys. That's what I hear. Uh, Matt McGavick, how we doing, bro? Let's just go around the horn. Doing good. I'm. I'm just glad that talking season is finally over, and we have actual tangible football to preview. Uh, apparently, no depth charts though. So um, I'm told you're not very happy about that. But Vince, what's going on, man? Yeah. Vince Lococo in the house. I mean, what more do you need to know about the uh, the depth chart? Jack Plummer starting quarterback. Jawara Jordan's a running back. Brian Hudson's going to be your center. Just fill it in. We're going to beat Tech by like 21. What are you, Drew Wrap it up. Let's go to week two. <laughs> Thanks for the analysis. All right, Venture kicked off. You're muted the rest of the time. Also <laughs> joining us tonight, Grant Mulligan. Grant, I th- believe this is at least your second appearance on, on the podcast. This is my this is my third appearance. Third appearance. Yeah. There you my go. Third he's got the professional Definitely. setup now. Sounding, you know, sounds like he's got a real mic. We all actually sound like we're in the same room tonight, which is like a first in like the last. Yeah, like, but years. if we were all in the same room, like the sound would not work at all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, so, that's I mean, how it would work though. <laughs> shout out technology. Am I right, uh, Grant? For people who don't know, who are not a uh, frequent listener, listeners of the pod. Give us a brief background on on what you did with with Louisville. So I I actually worked with uh, I had the distinct pleasure of working with one Mister Vincent Lacoco back in the in the good old days. I was a recruiting assistant from 2019 to 2021. Worked primarily under Coach Gunnar Brewer, uh, helping with recruiting with the wide receivers. But you know, all around, I worked for the recruiting office for two years, uh, two years and change, and now I quote-unquote right for the state of louisville and i and think I you just loan your time out to burr now right i do from time to time i still yeah man i still i still talk to him man 
He's doing good. He's doing good. If Brewer called you up right now and he's like, I got a job for you. Like, he didn't even explain what it is. He's like, I just got a job for you over here in Maryland. Would you think about going? I need to know what the job is first. Yeah, I would need to know the what order the taker. job is. How much am I getting paid? Look, man. I mean, Look, I'd man. think about it. Would you think about it? I would it, think man? about it for sure. But I got, a, I got a good thing going on with the state right now. So yeah, the, the Expo out. Center can't run without me. So you know how it goes. This man keeps the lights on at the Expo Center. Uh, we we won't we won't out you too much about what your full yeah, uh, that's not... job is at, at the Expo Center. Uh, however, uh, it's an important one. We'll just say that, uh, guys. We have football like super soon. Like we got football in like just a couple sleeps. Football. Football. Nobody wants to partake in that. All right, Jake. Really? I don't really like that. Football. It's coming up. Wolves playing Georgia Tech, and look, guys. Uh, I know that we've dove a lot into this team, but we haven't taken really a deep dive in, into uh, what Georgia Tech's identity is as a team, uh, what they present. Uh, and, and, and to me, I think it's more of a challenge than a lot of Louisville fans realize. Uh, Georgia Tech fans are super high on this team. Uh, a lot of people are thinking that they actually have a legitimate shot of, of you know, keeping this game competitive or even winning. So uh, we'll dive into that a little bit. Uh, but Matt, you're a guy who's been covering this uh, quite a bit, so I kind of want to hear from you first. How would you define what, what Georgia Tech was on the back half of last season and what the expectations are uh, coming into 2023? Well, first and foremost, they actually looked like they gave a shit. <laughs> right, right. Because, I mean, I, I could have told you before uh, the 2022 season started that I thought Jeff Collins was going to get fired by the end of the year because I I covered, a, yeah, I covered a couple uh, Georgia Tech games uh, when I was down there, and I can tell you, it was not the greatest brand of football I've ever seen. And when I saw a couple of their games to start the season, didn't look like a damn thing had changed. And it all of a sudden, when um, they cut ties with him and Brent Key took over, uh, you saw a much more aggressive, a much more physical mindset, which you know kind of makes sense considering. Brent Key was it was a former offensive lineman for Tech and was the offensive line coach, so the effort automatically went up. But then, like the actual aggressive and physical mindset of the team was immediately noticeable. I mean, the, their first game after firing uh, Collins, they go to Pittsburgh and upset Pitt in the first game, and they were like a 21-22 point underdog in that game, and they won outright. And then not only that, they pull off a win against a good Duke team. Shut up. And then they, they upset a top 25 team in North Carolina. So, Brent, I mean. Duke is not good. You can agree with me, right? Jesus. I'm it sorry. seems like a personal level beef here that I, I don't feel like I need to he be re- He refuses to admit that Duke might be good at football. Duke's going to be better than they have been in years past, but would I call Duke a good football team? I do not think so. I would call them a football team. There I would call them a football team. There's with... definitely nine. There's definitely ninety kids out there attempting to play football. There's they got some real NFL guys. This is they not do. the point, but they've got they got some real NFL guys. All right, back on tech. Go, back go on on yeah, tech. this is back, not about you. Yeah, the, I mean the rosters when you compare them from a talent standpoint. I mean, yeah, there's a clear discrepancy there. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. But I mean, Georgia Tech does have some playmakers, and they do have a couple. Uh, strengths on the day. I mean, they have weaknesses for sure, but they do have a couple strengths on both sides of the line of scrimmage that they, if the circumstances are right, they might be able to exploit 
and take Louisville to the wire. Now, ultimately, do I think that's going to happen? No, but that's we'll get into that later. Glad they got rid of Collins. I could not stand him as a head coach. I couldn't stand the fact that he walked around with that Waffle House cup all the time and tried to act like, you know, he was all Atlanta, born and raised. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight's, hindsight's 2020, but he was like way more concerned with branding. And yes, like yes. It, yeah, yeah. By Which, judging by the fact that he got his like t shirts hemmed on his sleeves, I mean, that's, that's pretty, uh, you know, concerning for the branding, but. Uh, like Matt said, I mean, the team plays harder. It's a lot more physical of a football team. You expect a lot more things to be cleaned up. I mean, it's not like Louisville's going to walk in there and it's going to be a cakewalk. I expect us to go out there and make our fair share of mistakes as well with it being the first game of the season with a new head coach. And, I mean, it is concerning with the fact that Louisville has never won a game in the state of Georgia as well. So, you throw all that in there. I, I mean, I just don't think it's going to be a cakewalk by any means for us. Grant, you had a little bit of experience, at least as far as I know, being around Travion Cooley, right? Or am I? I had yeah, he was in Brewers recruiting area. Okay, so perfect, perfect. So you have experience with this guy. You know who he is as a person, what he brings to the table uh, with, as far as his work ethic and, and his game. Uh, and this is a guy who is probably going to play a big factor for Georgia Tech on, on Friday. One thing I can definitely speak to is that running back room is led by an excellent coach, Coach Norval McKenzie. He was with Louisville during my time there before leaving to rejoin his alma mater at Vanderbilt, now on the coaching staff at Georgia Tech, which is undoubtedly how Cooley found himself in that running back room. Uh, he has a proven track record of success and getting guys ready uh, and, and bringing out a lot of talent out of these guys. I think that running back room, especially – with one who's already given experience working with Coach McKenzie, uh, I would think that he's going to be a dangerous player. We we get to see it in flashes whenever he was he was here at Louisville. I think reuniting him with with Coach McKenzie should not be something we should overlook. He's probably going to be looking for somewhat of a revenge of a revenge game. That's coolly not not Norv. I don't feel like Norv harbors any <laughs> ill will towards us, but I could be wrong. But I, I have a lot of respect for, for Coach McKenzie. I think he's he's going to have that running back room looking very solid. Uh, and I think Cooley can attack in a lot of ways. He has some receiving ability as well as some shiftiness between the tackles, outside the tackles. So I think, uh, I think he may very well be one of the major pieces for that offense, not just against us, but for the year. And uh, he's, he's a guy to look out for. I think Norv was a big loss. Whenever I, I was really sad to lose him to Vanderbilt. I thought he was a great coach. No disrespect Matt, to the real Matt, who, who's their who's going to be Texas quarterback this year? Because uh, Haynes, Haynes King, the Texas A&M transfer. We can get into that. I mean, Haynes King, it was a legitimate prospect out of out of high school. Uh, and if, if you remember a couple of years ago, uh, when Texas A&M suffered a, a major loss, a huge upset. Uh, I can't remember who it was they they lost to though. Last year, App State. App State, that's right. Haynes wasn't King their whole was season the, last year. Uh, Haynes King was upset? the quarterback in that game. He uh, he was benched after that game because of his his performance. He is kind of known to have uh, a prolific arm, really good uh, getting outside of the pocket. He's a pretty mobile quarterback, and and he had a lot of comparisons. On you know nobody deserves this, but he had comparisons, of course, going to Texas A and M to Johnny Manziel coming out of high school. Obviously, that didn't pan out. But he's he's a guy that's he's a prolific quarterback, and there's a reason why he's he's starting for Georgia Tech uh, over a more experienced quarterback. So 
uh, it, it'll be interesting to see just how he kind of fits in in the mold here. The, the other thing that to, to keep in mind, you know, uh, Travion Cooley, we, there is that tie um, with, with Travion Cooley going from Louisville to, to Georgia Tech. But he's really following in the footsteps of, of his, uh, excuse me, Hassan Hall as well. Uh, so his former uh, backfield mate, Hassan Hall, transferred to Georgia Tech, had a great season last year. Uh, now Travion Cooley comes in. But I, I think Dante Smith reminds me a lot of Hassan Hall. Uh, so if, if fans have watched any highlights of Georgia Tech, uh, a lot of Hassan Hall in that guy. Uh, and so when Louisville fans are looking forward to Georgia Tech's offense, uh, you can look for a quarterback that's mobile, a guy that gets outside the pocket, and who has a great arm. He just had a lot of inconsistency at Texas A&M. Uh, and then a running back who is very similar, in my opinion, to Hassan Hall, a guy that's built, uh, he kind of runs a little bit more upright, kind of like a, a Dominique Brown type type of runner, uh, but but has a lot more speed and agility, breaks a lot of tackles. Uh, that's what you can look for in Dante Smith. Uh, and, and so they have a solid backfield. They have a good quarterback room. Uh, they have a solid crop of receivers. And as you guys already mentioned, uh, their offensive line uh, is probably going to be one of their strengths going forward because their head coach uh, was an offensive lineman himself, which is is not uh, super rare in, in college football. But uh, more often than not, you see more of like a Scott Satterfield, Jeff Brum type of coach that's coming from the quarterback position. So uh, just some, some interesting things to look forward to. What stands out about their roster to you, Matt? And on top of Brent Key being a uh, former offensive lineman and offensive line coach, um, the offensive line might be their strength of the entire offense because they returned four starters. Now, granted, th- they, that offense last season was uh, not that great, but I mean, whenever you bring back four starters on any unit with a, with a, a new coach coming in and they have the chance to impart them with wisdom, I mean, having that many ha- that much chemistry come back, that's nothing to sniff at. And then when you throw in the fact that they do have a, a running back like Dante Smith, who is a, who's a very uh, north-south runner, probably not like a bruiser per se, but he's one of the more phys- – he's probably the most physical back on the roster. And then have a good handcuff in Travion Cooley, who's got – he's probably more of a speed option and has brewed himself at times, um, catching passes out of the backfield. I think uh, the overall uh, – and, and, co- and combine that with their – aggressive mindset that we saw in the back half of last season. I think the Georgia tech running game is probably what uh, little fans need to keep an eye on the most whenever the defense is on the field, especially because one of the biggest talking points this whole off season um, has been how deep the defensive line is. I mean, they have quality starters and guys like uh, Stephen Heron, Ashton Gelati, uh, Des tell, Guys like that. And then you've got a mix of, you know, quality reserve type guys who they have no problem switching guys in and out, in and out. That depth, that run defense is going to get put to the test right out of the gate. Now, granted, it's not going to be the most stout test they're going to face all season. But for a season opener, it's a worthy test, especially if they get things going through the air, which that might be a little hit or miss because it, it really depends on how they've been able to tweak Haynes King's mechanics. Cause, because I mean, you, you watch his film at Texas A&M, Texas A&M and his uh, throwing mechanics were uh, not great. So if they can just kind of fine tune those and maybe have the passing game be somewhat of a factor, that'll only boost how the run game is able to perform because then you have to take into account, Oh, they're, they can actually stretch the ball down the field. 
and so they're not going to crowd the box as much. Yeah, it, it, it's really an interesting dynamic, the way that they finished last season and kind of the way that they were all over the place, really. I mean, so you look at, as you suggested, Key came in, uh, took over after Georgia Tech lost it to Central Florida, immediately came in, upsets Pittsburgh, 26-21. Uh, to 21. Then they beat Duke, uh, so they're one of Duke's four losses last season. Uh, but then they just drop a clunker to just a terrible Virginia team. Uh, obviously, this was before everything that, that went down at, at Virginia last season. Uh, but still, a, a Virginia team that was just uh, not not quality last year. Uh, get thumped by Florida State. Then they attack, who, again, was was a, a lower-tier ACC team, uh, get, get destroyed by Miami, and then come back and beat North Carolina, and then play a pretty close game with Georgia. So they, they were down 10-7 to at halftime to Georgia, which is pretty good given that they had an interim coach and and everything surrounding the program. So really just kind of a crapshoot. And I, I think a lot of that, again, as you suggested, Matt, had had to do with some inconsistencies with the offense. Um, I, I want to hear from you guys as well. Uh, how do you think that Louisville's offense matches up with Georgia Tech's defense? I, I think that's probably the biggest thing that fans are going to be looking for. And I think that's going to be kind of the – the, the storyline heading into the game, like if you're the ESPN analyst, you know, the, when you're doing a breakdown, how do Jack Plummer and Louisville's receivers uh, match up against Georgia Tech's secondary? I think it's mainly going to be a battle of communication for us. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a matchup of like players on who's on who. I think, uh, I think we fare well in the matchup game with the wide receivers and uh, quarterback that we have, as well as Jawar at the running game. But, I mean, I just want to see clear communication between the signal caller and the quarterback and the quarterback and the offensive line and the rest of the team. I want to see, you know, the offensive line calling out the mic. I want to see them, you know, pointing and directing. I expect a lot, you know, on Brian Hudson because there's I'm sure there's a lot more that he has to call protection-wise in, compar- in comparison to what he had to call in the Satterfield offense. You know, I don't want to see any uh, false starts or, you know, as Grant and I would probably pull our hair out if we saw a uh, bar receiver, especially Amari. Oh, yeah, you have none left. But <laughs> to see, you know, a receiver or somebody mess up on a motion, uh, that stuff, little stuff like that where, you know, you see the uncertainty and it's because they don't trust, you know, what they're about to do or the play call or whatnot. And, you know, it just might not be successful because the player doesn't have confidence. So, those are some things that I'm looking for in particular. And I think if we can hit on all those things, everything else will really just kind of take care of itself. Personally, uh, I think that a great battle to watch is going to be in the trenches, both with a offensive line group that has a ton of talent on paper, but is, is really starting to work together uh, for the first time in game action, you know, we're going to return some hot, some starters like Brian Hudson and um, Gonzalez and, and Renato Brown, most likely, but you've still got a lot of new guys, both, and you'll have new starters as well as a lot of new depth pieces and how those guys work together uh, and, and making sure, like Vince said, making sure communication is clear, but amongst the offensive line group, you know, Georgia tech, as a as a defensive line that actually has some pretty talented guys on it, uh, and brought in a couple transfers, one from U- USF and one from Clemson, uh, and I think that they're going to be in position to to take advantage of 
any kind of communication mistakes that we'd see on the offensive line or any lack of experience within the system. Um, I, I think the trench battle is going to be strong, both in pass protection and in run blocking. Uh, I I trust the offense to run well against this defense. I really like the wide receivers matchups against the the defensive backs. They've got a talented safety back there for sure. But I think the biggest balance or the biggest battle to watch in terms of offense or Louisville's offense, Georgia Tech's defense is going to be in the trenches. Uh, that new offensive line against a defensive line that sneakily actually has a lot of talent on it. Yeah, I want to see them pick up on like some of the stunts and the movements, Grant. Uh, that's like the big thing that a lot of people don't really notice or see. They just see, you know, offensive linemen uh, firing off into the guy and they might see somebody loop around or whatever. But, you know, it's really about how that offensive lineman reacts and if they're able to pass things off or, you know, and, and all that stuff kind of happens pre-snap and a lot of it uh, can happen post-snap as well. I mean, all it takes is for, you know, a tackle, a three technique to take t- two or three steps forward, and then all of a sudden our guard's getting picked and he's looping around the other side, and then there's a sack on Jack. So just the little things up front. Especially a, a group that maybe some guys are moving around positions or you know aren't so familiar with each other. They're really going to have to come together and, and work on that chemistry early because, like you said, a, a lot of people don't think about this when they think about offensive line play, or it's one of the things that goes underrated. But it's not just about the talent of the guys we have up there. It's how they're going to work together, right? It's it's the chemistry that they have. And with a lot of them not having worked together in the past, it may take a little bit. You know, they may not be 100% sharp game one in terms of chemistry. But it's something to watch, not only game one, but for the rest of the season as, as the season progresses. Yeah, I want to see who fills Caleb Chandler's role. Like, he's an all-conference all guy. That's an all people are. I mean, that's not really talked about enough. The fact that we lost an all conference guard and uh, Caleb. So, you know, that I'm anxious to see if it improves, if it, you know, if it slacks off. I'm also, I'm anxious to see how Michael Gonzalez going into year three. I mean, he is huge at this point. He is built like a damn tackle. I mean, he looks like he could squash Matt. So. I mean, probably. And and plus, um, like we've said, like this, this, this Georgia Tech front seven, I mean, overall for the season wasn't good. But I mean, there are individual pieces in this area of the field that could, you know, give Louisville some fits. Like one of the first ones that comes to mind is transfer to Quan Dallas up right there in the middle. Like I've heard, I actually talked to uh, the Georgia Tech guy in our in our site umbrella of team networks earlier and the coaches down there are they're big on the potential of the interior of the defensive line and douse is one of the guys that's going to be in the mix there um another guy that to potentially to keep an eye on on the edge is sylvain yondwin like he he's been in, in that system for a Who? few years now sylvain yondwin it's I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing that right, but that's what it looks like. That's so that sounds and plus a guy like Trinilius Tatum, a, a, a linebacker is basically I think he's a middle linebacker. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I know he's like somewhere in that linebacking core. But he's someone that a lot of those defensive coaches are anticipating on taking a big step forward. So I think overall it I don't think the front seven is going to make up a ton of ground from last season, but I I would be shocked if they're not by the end of the season, not better in this area for sure. 
with with Tech having that new quarterback, I'm anxious. Like on the other side of the ball, with that Jeff Brom defense, uh, I mean, I I want to see how much they get after the quarterback. You know, that was that was huge for us last year. Was getting after the quarterback, and you know, I'm anxious to see how guys like Brownlee play in the new defense. You know, I think he can step up and have a big year, especially with. You know, MJ going down, somebody else outside of Josh Minkins has to step up and be a leader on that back end. Uh, I don't know. I'm anxious to see what kind of game a guy like Stan Quan Clark has as well. Uh, Jeff also mentioned guys like Adama J. Green getting in, which I didn't really think that he would play much considering how lanky he was. But, I mean, shoot, if he thinks he can get in, then I, I don't see why not throw his ass out there and see what he can do. I mean, Sticks looks, looks good in fall camp. He's just – Literally, Sticks. his nickname. Is that what we're calling? No, that's his actual nickname. The co- that's what the coaches call and is the players number call eleven. Him. Sticks. Is he <laughs> no, number eleven? No, but with a nickname oh. like Sticks, it should be. Yeah, I swear. I swear to God, I'm not making that up. That's, I wish that's I was like six eight, like two hundred and ten pounds. I was about to say he weighs about the same as I do, and I'm like five nine with shoes on. He should really like go hoop in the off season. Like I'm sure he could play guard. Yeah, right call him Kenny Payne. I mean, they're, sure he's got nothing else they're doing on. whatever over there at this point. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, honest, honestly, no he'd, be, he'd be a fascinating person to, to see change to number one uh, j- just just for a season. He just, that'd be that'd be Certain sick. guys just, like, look weird in certain numbers. Like, I feel like he just look – like Malik Cunningham in 16. I feel like he just look weird in, in, in the number one. Uh, he, here's a question for you guys, and I'll kind of – you know, I think uh, Vince and Grant are, are the perfect people to answer this as well. How do you think that no, knowing the Brahms, knowing this staff, I think everybody, it, th- this is the most familiar that this program's ever been with a brand new staff, right? Like we know these guys. Uh, they either played for Louisville, they've coached at Louisville, they're from Louisville. Like almost everybody has a connection. Uh, but the one holdover uh, from last season is Mark Ivy. Everybody loves Mark Ivy. And I, I guess my question for you guys, knowing Mark, how do you think that he is assimilating with his staff? Uh, and do you think that we'll see, still, still see his fingerprints on this defense? He just let the guys loose last season in the bowl game. It was amazing. First off, if you don't love Mark Ivy, then I hate you. Let's get that. Let's get that across yeah, I mean, right he, now. Even a right? UK <laughs> fan should like Mark, Mark Ivy. But you know, like it's, it's like think, one of those. You know, Ivy's, Ivy's a dude like, on staff yeah. that you need to have. Every staff needs a guy like Mark Ivey. Oh, yeah. He is the guy that gets every player up and ready to whether it's 6 a.m. or 11 p.m. Ivy is the same guy 24-7, wired, ready to go, and you just need somebody like that. He's an energy guy, and he's a hell of a ball coach, too. People, you know, he's very underrated as a ball coach and as a recruiter, in my opinion, because, I mean – Shit, he'll just bug the hell out of you until you, he gets you to commit. And I mean, Ivy's that dude, man. He gets you to. I mean, Ivy's just that dude. It's the easiest, easiest way to say it. I would say his position for Louisville, uh, it, it was, it, it was, and has been, and will be. His position is just coach. Yeah, I hope Not- it's like Florida State has had like a coach that was on staff for like. 40 years, that real fat dude. I don't know if is he's still on staff or not. You guys know who I'm talking about. But, like, I, Hamilton? I feel like there's always, like, a coach on all these, like, Florida State, Clemson, 
all these, you know, I don't know, blue collar schools, whatever you want to call them, traditional schools that has been there for 60 years. You know, why can't Ivy be that for us? I'm I'm with I'm with you, Presley. Just ball coach. Yeah, yeah. Have, just, him ha- have his title be ball coach. Keep him around. What do you think, Grant? One of the things I really respect about him is that despite being a guy who had no prior connection to the city or to the school, he has taken it. He's embodied it. He wanted to stay on because he loved the program, because he loved the city. Uh, his family is, is enjoys it here. Uh, he he really took Louisville and took it within himself. He really started embodying it and got himself involved with the fan base, involved with the community. I have a lot of respect for him, not just as a coach for for sticking with it and really letting the love for the villain. Um, but as as a man, just as, as a person coming into the city and you know wanting to stick around just because you love it. Um, but obviously, like Vince said, I think he's a great coach. He connects really well with the players. He's very intense, very hype. Uh, I think he's a great addition. I'm interested to see how it works for him coaching the inside linebackers. You know, going from the defensive line to to the stand up guys, the off ball guys is no small transition. I know it's on the same side of the ball, but you know, going from on ball to off ball is, is going to be interesting for him. I have no doubt that he's going to have the ability to do it. You know, he's got great recruiting uh, prowess and, and great connections to the Tampa area, actually. So I'm I'm really enthused to to have him still on staff. He actually came to TVT with the uh, with some of the other coaches. So I'd like to say that he's he's meshing in with them really great, which it, it shouldn't be too hard. You meet Ivy and you love him. So it's impossible not to like Mark yeah. Ivy. Especially I mean, like I mean, he's got a boat, man. He loves it here. Ivy loves it here, which is Ivy cool. loves love it. to see it like and, see like this app state guy. You know, this all this all country dude come down to Louisville and you know make it his home and everything. I, I love it. I mean, uh, going to the I'm on the transition part. I mean, he was previously he previously coached some uh, linebackers at App State, did he not? Uh, I thought he's always been be live. No, uh, I'm almost I'm almost certain that he he did some uh, linebackers at he, App State. He played a little linebacker at App State as well. Uh, so he was kind of like a Yavsir Abdullah. Uh, when he was at when he played at App State, uh, so that's who you see modeled his game after. There you go. Yeah, he did play uh, linebacker and defensive lineman for App State. He coached outside linebackers and special teams from 2012 to 2013, and has been defensive line from 2014 uh, on. Okay, so he has some experience with it. So it's not a completely foreign hey, concept. Football is football. Get the, get a guy like Mark Ivy out there, and he'll just coach it. All right. Okay, Mister CT. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Keep it down. Barely see with you, you Grant, with Barely you. see with you and Grant both on this damn Zoom. Blinding. <laughs> Vince just looking at his reflection. Oh yeah, wow, this is. Oh my in. god. Anyways, what I want to get into is if you're a Louisville fan. You're looking at this Georgia Tech team. Uh, on both sides of the ball, where do you guys see areas that Louisville can exploit? You know, J- Jeff Jeff Brom's whole MO, right, is, is finding weaknesses in the opposing defense and just, just pounding away at those weaknesses until the other team can correct, right? And 
that's what I that's exactly what I envision Louisville trying to do on Friday. Maybe a little bit of kind of like a, a chess match a little bit. Um, so so that's what I'd ask you guys. Where do you see weaknesses on on this Georgia Tech team on on, on both sides of the ball? I think I think that that's going to come with you know how the game is coming to Jeff as he's calling it. You know, it's one thing to go. He's been going up against the same dudes, dudes since uh, spring ball. I mean, I th- I, th- I really think it's going to be dependent off that first drive. He's probably going to have. I mean, obviously he's going to have a script of, you know, first however many Jeff decides to do scripted. Uh, and then after that, I think he'll be very comfortable and, you know, knowing which guys, you know, okay, this guy can get me out of the game if I need to, and we'll figure out where we can spread the ball around, how we're going to run this offense effective. I can't wait to see scripted Brom. I mean, scripted sat was in his bag. So what scripted Brom looks like? It'll be interesting. <laughs> Scripted set was just like the same. It's the same stuff that he always called. I don't know why, but acting like scripted set was any different. We did this on this. We did that on this here podcast, Vince. I know. I know. <laughs> if he, if <laughs> how long do you think it goes before Cincinnati, you know, ends their sellout streak? Ooh. Well, I mean, over it's... under, over under six games. I'll take the over. It'll take a few games. So they Over. they sold out EKU, which is a pretty big deal. But I guess it's the first game first, of his tenure. First game in Satterfield there, right? Yeah, true. So, do you think Do you think the radio show will be like, you know, guys, it's just EKU. He just ran outside zone this many times because it's just EKU, and you know he was holding he was holding his cards to his chest. Yes, maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah, it, it, it's still wild how we're even in this situation, and when you really think about it. But, oh yeah, I mean it's the one of the it could end up being one of the greatest blessings to happen to the program to the university to the city. Re- truly, like Cincinnati of all of all places, like it, it the only crazier place would be UK. Like if UK came in and, and took Satterfield, you, like, yeah, you got to schedule them every year, not just because yeah. of the Satterfield thing, but that like that rivalry overall is a very cool rivalry. In my yeah, opinion. well, no, let me, uh, what, let me get into. What I where I think the like a weakness that Louisville can exploit, um, I think it's actually going to be on defense because I think Georgia Tech's offense is probably in terms of completeness is maybe a step behind their defense because I mean they've, I in theory they should have a a solid running game because of the their background uh, and mo of their coach and offensive line returning production and then like the guys in the running back room where I. have think that Louisville can exploit the offenses that their passing game is largely unproven. I mean, Haynes King, he's, he's a solid dual threat quarterback. I mean, the, when you look at his career rushing stats and numbers certainly don't suggest, suggest it, but he's, he's a, a solid scrambler, but he's got a, a, a nice, nice arm on him. But in terms of the accuracy, it's, not really there. It's been really hit or miss. I mean, we'll we'll see if they, like I said earlier, if they were able to tweak his mechanics a little bit to get him to be to be a more accurate passer. But on top of that, I mean, when you when you look at the uh, the depth chart for Georgia Tech, there's not a ton of guys in that receiver core or just the pass catching group overall who would really command like a double team or something like that. Like you look at the the all 22 and you take your latest point you're like yeah you see that guy 
keep track of him. I mean, Dominic Blaylock, the Georgia transfer. I mean, he he he's solid. Malik Rutherford, he, I think he's going in. Mike, fun Ro- fact, Mike Rutherford relative? Uh, fun fact, Malik Rutherford was the very first recruit who committed when I was on that beat. That's, that's how long it's been. But no, Malik Rutherford, he's he's a nice, um, small, speedy option in the slot. Tight end Dylan Leonard is, is a solid threat from that slot. But outside of maybe those three, there's not really anyone on this in this receiving core where you have to, like, really keep a heavy eye on. So I think that will allow the little secondary to be maybe a little bit more aggressive than maybe they would want to be. Now, now I say that they've been preaching aggressiveness. This coaching staff has all off season. So maybe they're going to be aggressive regardless of who they're facing, but given sort of the uncertainties you see from the receiver group and kind of like, a, oh, is Haynes King going to be able to take this next step? I think that'll allow the secondary to kind of exploit some of those uncertainties. I'm going to go on the inverse, actually. I'm going to talk about uh, exploits that Georgia Tech might be able to take advantage of on our side. And one that I want to highlight, and and I hope you know I get proven wrong or not proven wrong, but um, is the inexperience at linebacker. You've got two coaches who excel at run game, both in Brent Key, former offensive line coach, and Norval McKenzie, who's been great in the run game uh, as a coach himself. And you've got you know some strong players on the offensive line. You've got strong running backs. You can get the run game going. But then let's see how that translates to the play-action passing game. You, know, you get the inexperience at linebacker, and you can get them moving. If you can really start to establish at least a solid presence in that ground game, taking advantage of some of that inexperience at linebacker, you can also twist that and get some, you know, some play action game going over the middle and maybe getting Haynes King, despite his, his accuracy problems, you know, you can shorten the game for him, get him some throws in front of him in the play action game, get some tight ends open. Uh, I think that one of the, the key things to watch that could be exploited as a mismatch for Louisville is inexperienced at linebacker. Hopefully, you know, the guys have got it figured out, but if I, if I was Brent Key and staff, that'd be something I would have heavily highlighted. No, getting into weaknesses that I, that I think Louisville could exploit, to me, it's Georgia Tech's depth. Uh, I think that's going to be tested early and often for them, and I think that's the reason why they had, uh, you know, a lot of uh, up and down, um, you know, is- issues being inconsistent, if you will, uh, last season. Uh, and they lost a lot of production on defense. And so it'll be interesting to see how they can kind of uh, assimilate uh, and, and what happens if somebody goes down for Georgia Tech. You know, they're, they're too deep is is not wrong. Their, their starters are pretty solid, you know, ACC quality starters. Uh, but, but behind them um, is where I think that Georgia Tech fans should be concerned. And so uh, going kind of with, with that theme, does – does Jeff Brom, you know, immediately start the game and go up tempo? Uh, does Louisville try to get Georgia Tech off balance? They try to, you know, force Georgia Tech uh, to run new guys on. Uh, I, I think that'll be kind of a, an interesting cat and mouse thing to, to watch. Uh, and and uh, conversely, does Georgia Tech try to slow things down? Do they run the play clock down? Uh, you know, do they, you know. I, I want to see play action pass deep post to Jamari Thrash to open the game for like a 60-yard touchdown to where we don't even have to script the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, I I've, I've, I think about this every year over the You know, summer. Jeff just dropping it on the first 
first play saying, hello, I'm here. Welcome to the ACC. This is mine. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly has been my thought process. Like, not even jokingly, like, I remember going back to Petrino 2.0, especially, you know, his first three years. And the the thought process was always, okay, well, how is Bobby going to come out to start this game? And the first game of every season specifically, I mean, you remember, uh, you know, you remember Lamar's first game where they came out with the trick play and he threw a pick, uh, you know, the, it's, it's always consistently been Betrino uh, tries to, to hit the big play early and often and Brahm is the same way. Uh, and I, I would not be shocked to see him come out, play action and try to take a deep shot first play of the game. Uh, you know, it, it, and, I, I absolutely will expect to see some up tempo, especially as the game starts to to uh, go on and, and and Louisville gets a little bit more comfortable and everybody gets kind of into uh you know into the feel of the game, if you will. Um, my other question for you guys would be, how do you think that the setting will impact Louisville? I personally expect it to be like seventy thirty Georgia Tech to Louisville fans, and it might be even like eighty twenty. Matt, I know you have. I know you have kind of some connections uh, in the area, having having worked down there. You're, you're shaking you, your you're head. Thinking, I'm thinking eighty twenty. I'm thinking eighty twenty for sure. But I mean, it's it's in Atlanta. I mean, that's where. Yeah, Ooh. that's an okay. Away. So I'm gonna tell a story. Uh, let's hear that story. Um, I so for those who do not know who is listening, um, I got my start writing for Sports Illustrated Fan Nation uh, on the Georgia Tech beat. Uh, worked down there for. Only for only four months before I came back up here to Louisville um, and where I lived um, down there in Atlanta was in Decatur, which is maybe a 15, 20 minute drive um, to Georgia Tech's campus on a good traffic day (laughs) on a good traffic day is I got to clarify that because traffic down there is. Yeah, I was about to ask. (laughs) Listen, I will go to my grave saying Nashville traffic is worse than Atlanta traffic. Fair. Atlanta, Atlanta drivers are aggressive, but they know what they're doing. But anyways, I live 15, 20 minutes away from Georgia Tech's campus. This is how I knew the city of Atlanta doesn't give a flying fuck about Georgia Tech. There's there was a McDonald's across the street from my apartment complex. There were a couple sports uh, bars around, you know, things like that where you would see advertising for the local sports team it was all bulldogs <laughs> and i'm a 15 minute 20 minute drive from georgia tech's campus <laughs> the only i only started to see um advertisements that said said type of establishments for georgia tech when i was literally five blocks away in downtown atlanta <laughs> atlanta doesn't care about georgia tech it's it's all dogs especially when since Georgia is coming off back-to-back titles. In- fan interest in Georgia has never been higher. So while, yeah, I, I do think there's going to be, you know, a fair amount of Georgia Tech fans there considering Mercedes-Benz Stadium is literally two miles south of campus. Do I think there's going to be an overwhelming amount of Georgia Tech fans that Louisville's going to have a tough time overcoming? Hell no. Absolutely not. I think it'll be... Close to a 50-50 split in fans, maybe. Maybe 60-40. It must suck to always be little brother. Like, there's, you know, UK and U of O fans always go back and forth. They're like, ha, 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 little bro, big bro. 
you know, in various different sports and stuff, but like tech in Georgia, it's like the like tech tech is a little bro every time. Every time. You know, you know what that that probably does suck, but I'll tell you what doesn't suck. And that is getting your manhood clean with manscaped. Fellas, it's tailgating season. The time of year where boys become men and men become stinky. If you're like me, you pulled out all the stops to keep your boys fresh. And maybe more importantly, stop your fa- stop your family jewels from chafing during all sorts of fall weather. For me, nothing worked until I found Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant for Men. Let's cut to the ch- chafe. Ch- chase. Most guys take better care of their pits than they do their future kids. And that's just messed up. That's why the Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant is staying in my daily lineup forever. Over 2 million men trust their balls with Manscaped. That's approximately 4 million balls. Manscaped has a number of products to help manage your manhood, including the Silky Smooth Lawnmower 4.0 Ball Trimmer, which is amazing. Do yourself a favor. Hit up manscaped.com today, and don't forget to use code PINKSEATS, all one word, or STARTING5, that's STARTING and the number 5, all one word, and you'll get 20% off at checkout. Your balls will thank you. That's right, manscaped.com. How about that? How about that? No a, a plus ad read. A plus ad read. I mean, products something. are awesome too. Definitely, uh, definitely dude. approved, signed, approved. Awesome. It was a sick box. It came in too. Yeah, it was. So, it was definitely cooler than any Jordan packaging that you could ever get. So when when you listen to podcasts, they always say we would never advertise something that we don't believe in. Blah blah. Maybe true. I don't know. But for me, truly, like Manscaped has actually changed my life. Because I've been waiting on this one, if, I was really gonna vouch that. Yeah, if, if so, number one, if you're out there and you've ever tried to shave that area of your body, it is very difficult, uh, nearly impossible. But the manscape stuff, it like it makes it kind of dummy proof, so it's pretty much nick free, which I love. And then, but the, the game changer, like I just said, the ball deodorant is unbelievable. Ball like, deodorant is awesome. Yeah. That is great. That is a daily use thing for me. Yes, it, it, it like I've, I've, I'm obsessed with it now. Like every time I take a shower, immediately dry off ball deodorant. Like because it's been a you know everybody you know you live in Louisville, you probably live somewhere in the south. It just makes me wonder how long I've been walking around with musty balls. Yeah, you probably yeah. forever. Well, I mean, I was about to say I don't, know if, I don't know if that stopped it. The musty balls, Vince. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I've been a baby powder guy forever, and it's been a seamless transition. Uh, and for for those who haven't used it, give it a shot, man. You're getting 20% off. Uh, starting five, pink seats. Uh, super excited about it. You know who else uh, is excited about talking about getting these balls? That's right, Jeff Prump. And so, so another side note, I was thinking about this the other day because it got stuck in my head. Do you think because Mark Ivey is still there that they'll continue the Cardinal party or that's over? I hope so. Because that, so. well, yeah, that was neither one of, neither one of us were in the locker room, though, Matt. What, what do you all think, Ben that's, Grant? That's I don't know. Because uh, in all reality, I mean, there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of holdover from the sad era. Uh, I don't know. I think. I don't see why Jeff and them wouldn't be down for something like that, but they might not want to, might have their own thing. As you could tell, like the today I give them all for the Bills stuff is out. Showtime back in. Showtime's a Petrino thing. Uh, I don't know. This ain't nothing but a Cardinal party. That's all. That's I hope all. it continues. I hope it does. I, I hope that that's not just a Satterfield thing or a thing that I got to be honest. I wasn't familiar if, uh, if they had been doing it prior at upstate. 
I hope it continues. They it's did it. Elected. They've done it at App State. Continue, but I mean, that's the thing, though. Is, is I believe it's a Jerry Moore thing. Therefore, it's a Sean Clark thing too, which is their head coach. So it's like That'd be Sean it. also coached under set. So well, I, ho- I hope they do I something fun. Like I don't remember anything like that under, under Petrino. What'd you guys do after the game with Petrino? Did you go, you guys, oh, right. really good game. It was so sick. We we used to count the score. Yeah, used to count the score. Yeah, so like if we scored forty points, you know, we'd be one, like two. one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, it'd be really fast, and it was dumb. No, I do it really slow. Cardinal party's way cooler, and Ivy like basically. I mean, well, you're in a fist fight, right? There. You want to talk about fist fight between the whistles? Like that's a fist fight in the middle of the locker room, right? Yeah, well, and so, Ivy is swinging. I, I think the 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 beginning part is the cool part to me. And yeah, and they and they cut that out in the social media plea on the the social media feeds when they post that to yeah. socials. They cut they cut that part out now. Which no, I, that's I, the best part though. Yeah, I so know, they, it's, so it's they'll great. say like Lococo, N O T H I N G. That's what Lococo means to me. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing. Because I've, I've been going yeah. to a lot of uh, five year old cheerleading practices lately. Uh, so I've 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 been, <laughs> I've been yeah, I know. I was having a meeting with somebody the other day, and they're like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm at an eight year old's football game." He's like, "You do that often?" Like, <laughs> yes, all the time. Yeah, I've traded golf for watching eight year olds play football. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They just practice right across from the golf course. I just stop by, just just see how the team's doing. Good popcorn. Yeah. Are they running the Satterfield offense or the Brom offense? You know, that 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 kind of stuff, outside zone type stuff. But no, anyways, yeah, it got just it got stuck in my head, and for like two full days, I was just chanting. Uh, the Cardinal Party chance. Now I'm going to be sad if we don't get if we don't get a, a cool video a, a, after the game. Uh, one of the final things we get into here: X factors for the game for you guys. Who do you think? Uh, who do you think if, if they have a good game or a bad game, it can really uh, sway the tide for for Louisville? Deck Plummer. Yeah, Stole. but is he, is he really an X factor? Maybe Easy I, maybe I had to find that incorrectly because Jack Plummer is like out. the factor. I mean, X factor. Uh... X X factor is definitely going to be the offensive line. We've been talking about that all night. I mean, if they don't get a good push in the run game, you can't get anything established there. And if we can't establish the run, then obviously the pass isn't going to work either. So anxious to see that as the X factor. I mean, we have weapons out the wazoo at wide receivers. So Jack needs to just learn how to spread the ball around or find that, you know, one guy he can narrow it down to. I want to see him hit his check downs. Which I'm very excited to see. You know, I'm excited to see what to watch a play develop downfield. To see my quarterback go one, two. Okay, those aren't there. I'm going three. Three is going to get me five yards. And you know, it might not be six six points, but it's five yards, and we can live to fight another day at second and five. Yeah, and Jacob will cream his pants if if they start checking it down. Like all he's been talking about for the last five years is freaking. Just yeah, his throwing, well, throwing a slant, slants. and he wants them to run, throw it to the running back. Slants, uh, backflips, offensive linemen that do backflips, and back passes rolls. to the running back. He's he's back a very rolls, simple yeah. man. He's a man of simple tastes. I wonder what his defense right, looks like. I'll take the X Factor thing. If we're going individual players, I'm going to say Ashton Gelati. I think that he's going to be huge both in setting the tone on defense uh, with his leadership and his presence but we're going to need him both against the run and against the pass. 
You know, we need that kind of disruptive presence, someone who's going to get in the backfield, someone who's going to make the offensive line uncomfortable. You know, of course, we've got guys all up and down the defensive line who are talented enough to do this uh, and and do it you know, too deep. But Gelati is someone that we're really relying on to take that next step, to be that leader uh, of our defense. And I want to see him come out week one with full command, ready to play, being immediately disruptive, and I think that the rest of the defense is really going to be able to feed off of that. I think we're going to see some energetic performances, but I think it all starts there. Uh, I think X Factor, Ashton Gelati. I'm going to go with another defender, actually. I'm going to say Ben Perry because he's he could arguably be the X Factor for the entire season for multitude of reasons. Number one, he's at a position that is – the most versatile spot on the entire field at star, which is that linebacker safety hybrid. And so he can play in coverage. He can sit close to the line of scrimmage. He can sit in the box. He can sit on the boundary and slot. And when you add into the fact that MJ Griffin is probably going to be lost for the season, you could maybe potentially see them shuffling Ben Perry at some point at that spot. If things start to get, kind of shaky depth wise at safety and plus with since we've established that we think the defensive line and their depth is going to be able to have a solid outing against the offensive line we think the secondary is going to do well against the pass with all the production they bring back and kind of and with some of the question marks um in georgia tech's own passing game and with the the so that leaves the linebacking core as kind of the lone question on that defense or at least the big not the lone but the biggest question heading into this um this season and i i almost said tj quinn as an x factor because he's kind of going to be the in between like he's going to have some you just want to run- claim that because jacob's not here <laughs> so he he caught me but um so yeah he's going to have run uh run coverage not run coverage, pass coverage, responsibility, uh, opportunities against the run. But I'm going to go with Ben Bear because he's a lot more versatile and you can actually put him in a lot more spots in the field like, except just in the middle at linebacker. Individual unit-wise, uh, I, I think that it's this game will, could be won or lost in the trenches. I, I think it's going to be really important, as Grant suggested, on, on, on both sides of the ball uh, to make sure that, that Louisville shores that up. They get push on that offensive line. Uh, and they're going to be running a lot of defensive linemen out there. Um, you know, they have they have some solid depth uh, at the defensive line position, and they can, you know, uh, do that in, in multiple ways. And it's also just going to be just a change of pace for all these guys and, and for us as fans to see a four or five down linemen as, as opposed to three and maybe maybe like a, a Yassir Abdullah uh, creeping up there on the line. So, uh, But to me, player-wise, as an X factor, I won't give a specific player, but whoever it is that ultimately ends up being the – the go-to guy at tight end. Uh, there's really three or four names that that, that could be. It could be Nate Kariski. It could be Joey Gatewood. Uh, it could be uh, Jamari Johnson. You know, we're hearing a lot about him. Me and G. Moley, that's our favorite guy coming out of this out of the freshman class. So um, right. if I had to pick one, I'd say it's probably going to be Jamari Johnson. Um, I'm, I'm, I really, I'm hoping that Joey Gatewood can, can prove that he can be something on, on this roster because I mean, he's, could be the most athletic, talented person on this team. I know that might sound crazy to say. It's just a guy that's just never found a fit anywhere that he's gone. 
Uh, but coaches have raved about him last year at UCF, and now the the Louisville coaches talk about him almost every presser. So uh, people that have gone to practice, at, and Matt, maybe you can speak to this a little bit. Uh, you know, it, he's he's an impressive specimen. It's just he just never played tight end until he came to Louisville. So, uh, but I mean, that's that's a guy who could ultimately end up standing out for Louisville or, or be a major red zone target or be a guy who can play H back or even you know on some trick plays or something like that get the ball in his hands. So. Uh, that that'll be interesting to see. I think Jamari Johnson will end up being the guy. So if you if you press me to go with an individual player, I'd say Jamari Johnson. Uh, now, uh, let's get in a little bit just to you know previewing the game, what we expect out of this game. Uh, now, as of today, uh, the the total for this game is forty eight and a half. The spread is Louisville is favored by seven and a half points. That means Vegas is expecting this to be about a a twenty eight to twenty one game. I'll let whoever wants to start go ahead. Uh, let's get some predictions. First predictions of the year. As we know, these always go terribly, so uh, feel free to mess up, guys. <laughs> I'm going to start off 1-0. and I'm going to start off real hot. Have, Vince, have you ever started 1-0 and on this show? Uh, depends on what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. I'm sure there's some things. I'm, 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 sure there's... Today, so. <laughs> I'm going uh, go 24-7. to seven. You know, I think I don't think we're gonna come out and light the scoreboard up crazy like everybody's expecting us to. I expect us to make our fair share of errors, fair share of you know miscommunications and things like that that happen with the first year head coach. And you know, I'm not expecting much out of Tech, to be honest. I expect it to be a good game, but you know, I I think that we outmatch them in a lot of areas and. You know, I think Jeff is just overall a better head coach than what they have on that sideline. Who scores the first touchdown for Louisville? Oh, first touchdown. Um, I'm going with Jack Plummer rushing. Wow, mm. bold take, Matt. Mm. You want to follow that up? Um, I'm gonna go 38 17 Louisville. I think the so obviously I'm taking the over. <laughs> uh, the first half is definitely going to be a feeling out process for both teams on both sides of the ball. And I honestly think it inevitably comes down to the fact that the roster talent discrepancy is, it's not huge per se, but the, like I, the discrepancy is very much present it's when it comes to both starter talent and, you know, just overall depth. So I think, uh, in in the second half, we'll start to see Louisville start to put some space between them and Georgia Tech. I I fully expect this to be a somewhat competitive game in the first half. Maybe even heading heading into a once a one score game uh, into the locker room. But after that, I think if you make some adjustments, Brent Keys he's got half a season under his belt, and and uh, Jeff Brom has got nine. So I mean. There's just the experience factor, too. So I think Brom will eventually uh, have Louisville in cruise control, not in cruise control mode per se, but they'll start to pull away towards the end. G. Moley? I'm going to say 28 to 17. I'm going to agree with Matt on what he projects Georgia Tech to score. I think Georgia Tech takes advantage of that linebacker mismatch early. I think as the game goes on and, and they start to get more comfortable in themselves, they'll shore up. I think we'll clamp down defensively. I think we'll have a very solid defensive second half. 
I think most of their points are going to come early. I think we have a consistent offensive performance throughout. Of course, game one with a lot of newcomers, we're going to have our hiccups. But I think that it's going to be a, a, a competitive game early. I think the offense is going to perform stable and the defense is going to lock up late. So I think we're going to pull away in the in the second half. And I'm going to go interesting pick here. First touchdown, Josh Lifson. Nice. Ooh. I like that. And we Action. didn't even mention him when I when I mentioned the the tight ends. Uh Josh Lifson, two touchdowns in the spring game, uh, scored last year, uh, I believe against Florida State, right? Uh, so you know, a, a guy who has some experience and you Matt, never did know. you give a first touchdown? I was about to say, yeah, I completely forgot to give one. I'm gonna go Jamari Thrash. I mean, safe pick, easy pick, but I mean it's probably gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. So Jacob wrote in. He has prediction of Louisville winning 31 to 24. Uh, no explanation for that. Uh, that's a pretty close score. Made me super uncomfortable, but is what it is. Uh, and he has Gerard Jordan scoring. Oh, it says here he thinks there's going to be a lot of slants. He, uh, <laughs> t- tackle might do a backflip. A lot of backflips. <laughs> um, he Mid-play. wants to see three flea flickers from Jeff. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So to me, this is a 30 to 16 game. I have Louisville winning. Uh, and, and I'm going to go uh, with Jamari Johnson scoring the first touchdown of the game. Uh, now, now the reason I'm thinking this is I think both teams are going to move the ball, but I'm not sure that both teams are going to score a lot of touchdowns. And so that's why I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. So do, do the math real fast. I got Georgia Tech scoring one touchdown, three field goals, and I got Louisville scoring four touchdowns. But hold on. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. 30 to 16. That's my prediction. All no, right. my, my mind went to they're going to get two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. <laughs> That's yeah, where no, my no, mind no. went. I'm, I'm thinking lots of field goals is the reason why I have such a weird I was thing. thinking safety. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's you know, it. Right, what? I'm like, we need a safety in here? A missed extra point. An X factor that, that we're not, you know, nobody's talking about, and it's kind of an uncomfortable conversation, is how well does Louisville special teams perform? Uh, you know, do they have a reliable place kicker? Do they have a re- reliable kickoff guy? Do they have a reliable punter? Like all of that's kind of an unknown. Uh, And I know that people that were at practices were saying like, oh yeah, so-and-so was really booming kicks for like five minutes when they were out there. And then that was it. Uh, So we really don't know. We haven't seen any of these guys really in in game play. Uh, So for the first time in a while, uh, you know, Louisville's breaking in a new punter, a new kicker, uh, a new long snapper, right? Shy or or was, was shy uh, there. Guy Kolchev is still there. Okay. Okay. So, but Speaking still, of that, punters, uh, your all's favorite Logan Lupo was put on scholarship this week. Matt. There you go. Okay, Where? So uh, oh Christ! Uh, somewhere in Florida, like uh, Florida Atlantic, remember. or yeah, like Florida Atlantic, FAU, FIU, UCF, USF, one of those. And how about James Turner uh, winning the kicking job at Michigan? Definitely don't don't feel weird about that. Who's or that? Uh, and and our our guy. Uh, why am I blanking? Colorado. Mark, Mark Vassett is one one the starting punting job at, at Colorado. So uh super unfortunate. We'll I would have a lot more confidence uh in, in this Louisville team. I, I know it sounds silly, we don't think about it, but kicking is important. It is called football. Um <laughs> but that that's for a reason. Like if you're kicking the ball out of bounds, like you know, half the time in Bobby Vitrino. I don't acknowledge that other sport is football. Oh yeah, yeah. Well that, that that's Here a different go. conversation for a different day. Um, where are we watching the game this weekend, guys? 
We're going 12.30 in the afternoon, Bellarmine women's volleyball to watch my sister. And then I'm going to have one TV on uh, for her evening game and one TV on for the UofL game at the house. So ass on couch. So are we talking ass on couch or are we talking ass on back deck? Probably back deck. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I like I like the setup. Uh Grant, where I'll are we going? Dick. I'll be watching it off the phone on the Expo Center, man. Oh stops. TBT's over. Or, what what are you I have doing? more to do than TBT, man? <laughs> the grind never stops. <laughs> What's going on at the Expo Center this weekend? We got the Derby City High School Rodeo this weekend, and we also have the Labor Day flea market. The, Let me know well, when the monster trucks come in. That shit's lit. When do the monster trucks come in? That one's not one of mine. <laughs> Y'all want to see some rednecks? Go out to that stuff. Hey, man. You, I mean, but, so, I guess we're not talking about your personal monster truck. We're talking about uh, some, some, corner, some kind of performers jumping off of dirt hills in the middle of an arena. In the middle of Freedom Hall, baby. Call it right. Yeah, that's why they call it freedom, right? When the when those trucks are flying through the air, there's nothing more. It's my trail. Well, that that Grant, that's super disappointing. You're gonna be watching on your phone. Matt, what's the plan? Are you gonna be in Atlanta? Hell yeah, brother. All right, there you go. So oh, wait, have you taken in the press box uh, at, at the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium yet? I have because I went down there for the opener in 2011, 2021, excuse me, against Ole Miss. Best stadium ever you've ever been, or is there it's, it's it's pretty nice. I mean, when I when I lived in Atlanta, I actually went to a um a Falcons Panthers game, so I've I've been in that stadium a couple times. It's really nice. <laughs> I got the wings I, at Magic City too. I will be watching the game uh, pretty much alone, uh, but that that's how I want to take it in. I really want to, I really want to enjoy the season for what it is. Uh, seven home games. We're gonna hit a hit up a couple of road road games, so I'm confirmed going to be at nine games this season. Uh, hopefully, if we have a bowl game, ten. So we'll be at uh we'll be at the Indiana game, at the Miami game. Tickets already purchased, uh, hotels already booked, ready to roll. Uh, seven home games will be there, uh, but this game I just want to be ass on couch and just taking in the the sights and sounds of Jeff Brom's first game. Uh, I'm confident it will be his first win. I don't think it'll be as smooth as as many expect. Uh, I think that that Georgia Tech is a sneaky, solid opponent, but one and zero in the Brom era is is the hope and prediction, and one and zero in ACC play. Uh, so, any other comments, questions, or concerns before we get the heck out of here, guys? Go Cards. Go Cards. Go Thanks program. to the state folks for having me on. It's great to be here. Always oh, you're great. always welcome. It's a pleasure Grant. to have you, Grant. It, if, if at some point uh, it can just you know just be me, you and Vince, that's fine too. You know, th- there's only there's only room on this screen for one bald guy. So, guys, it's game week. I couldn't be more excited. Football, football. Hey, Jacob, not doing it. Lake Board. Not doing it. Already From the Pixies podcast, let's get out of here. Go Cards.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.